Welcome to Everything You Need Is Within, a Spotify Greenroom live audio show and podcast produced by and for Gen Z. With me, your host, Gigi Robinson. Hey, hey, party people. It's Gigi Robinson, the host of Everything You Need Is Within. Welcome to the first episode of 2022. How exciting is this? Um, We're in a brand new year, brand new season. I have so many incredible guests. You guys are going to flip over the people that I have on this season. It's an insane lineup. Like I freak out about it daily uh, because I'm so excited to just provide you with access to so many incredible thought leaders, um, influencers, content creators, experts in their field, and so many more. So Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to introduce this week's guest, Natalie Barbu. She is an incredible YouTuber. I've been following her for years. I actually found out of her from a a different YouTuber named Tasha, who went to USC, where I went. And that's where I originally started following you, which I know I haven't told you yet. And I know you're listening and you're probably like, oh my God, what? Um, So that's how I initially found Natalie. And her content is just so genuine so real and it just I love all of the entrepreneurial ventures that she dives into she's all about the creator market entrepreneurship and just being like the best creator out there so um hi Natalie welcome to the show thanks so much I did not know that about um, (laughs) Tasha so that's so funny and it's such a small world and how we're kind of all connected but I'm super excited to be here Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to have you, especially tonight. Um, and especially just like in 2022, because before we get into this later in the episode, like YouTube can be, or is thought of in some ways as like a very saturated market, but I think you can still break into it. And I think that goes for any social platform that people say is so saturated. Um, but before we dive deep into that, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us who Natalie Barbu is for anyone that doesn't know, um, so they can, you know, learn a little bit about you. Yeah. So my name's Natalie, and I have been on YouTube since 2011. So I started out when I was 15. It was a hobby. It was very, very random. I mean, at that point, like no one. I mean, not many people posted on YouTube, and it definitely wasn't what it is today. Like there weren't those traditional influencers. The word influencer wasn't even a thing, but I did it just because I honestly genuinely loved it. And I loved like the, um, like the, the community part of it. So I had, I remember I had like three subscribers and I wanted to know everything about those three subscribers. I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. So (laughs) started way back when. Um, and then since then I was actually still, I'm still doing YouTube and I actually started a tech startup called Rella where it's going to be the only tool an influencer needs to run their business. So it's going to help you manage and plan all of your social platforms in one place and really run your business through Rella as a content creator. I'm literally so excited about that. Um, by the way, I've been following, I pre-downloaded it. I'm like so excited. I set my account. I can't wait because I guess just to go into it, you've been around for a long time. You've been doing content creation and social media for a long time. You know your way around brand deals. You know your way around creating a brand. And then you also have more recently developed other streams of income, which is, I think, the hottest take of 2022, or if we learned over the past two years, is like diversify your income streams, first of all. And second of all, promote the shit out of that on social media. So can you just like go a little bit more in depth about how you decided on creating Rella of all things? And then also, I know you you have an investment property, right? 
Yes, yeah, so I did buy a house, but and I flipped it and sold it. Oh, so okay. I don't have it, but it, it was an investment property because I flipped it. Right. Got it. Okay. Anyway, then let's talk about Rella. Yeah. So Rella started really out of a need. I was just trying out a ton of different like social media management tools. I had a bunch of different applications that I used to run my business and I do this full time. And so I know there's a lot of work that goes into it full time. And so just dealing with brand deals and emails and managers and, you know, posting content that's not sponsored and affiliates and all of this stuff, like there's just so much that goes into being a content creator and making it a business. And so I just had wished that there was something out there that was just one thing that I needed. You know, I had like five different logins or 10 different logins to different accounts. And like, I didn't know what they were. And I didn't, I just, I, I hated that there were so many different tools and I never like fell in love with any of them. And I'm a big organization person. I like really like being organized and it's like <laughs> it's something I take pride in. So for me not to have like my business organized, I just felt very stressed. So uh, that's kind of where the idea of Rella sparked. I was like, wait, why don't I just try to do this? And so I had this idea and I was like, okay, let me, let me try to do this. And so I reached out to any of my friends that knew anyone that could help me develop it because I don't know how to develop an app on the tech side of it. Um, and so I found my co-founders. We worked together for like a few months before actually becoming co-founders. And it was, I mean, we work really well together and now we're building Rella and it's, it's been a year already. That's so incredible. I would also like, first of all, I think creating something that you personally have a need for as a creator is so important because if you have a problem, like somebody else out there definitely has a problem, myself included. Um, My biggest issue right now is the fact that like you're saying, there's so many project management tools and there's also so many different brand collaboration platforms. There's payment platforms, there's um, you know, invoice platforms and there's chat platforms and scheduling platforms and none of like they all overlap in some ways, but not in all the ways you need. So I'm literally beyond excited to try this. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the way that you started reaching out to people um, and kind of like asked for what you needed and how you just like dove into it and took that leap of faith. Um, Because I feel like a lot of the time people have some fears around just going headstrong into, I guess, an open, open sea at all. Yeah. So I think with anything, like whether it's starting a YouTube channel, starting a business, starting your TikTok, like whatever it is, I think the first thing you need to do is like start, you know, and I know that sounds, that's, that's kind of um, a stupid answer when you're like, how do you start? But the thing is like, figure out what the first step needs to be. So if it's a YouTube channel, film your first video plan your first um, piece of content, film it, edit it, and put it up there. Don't overthink it. Like if it's a TikTok, just film your very first TikTok. Doesn't matter if it's good. Doesn't matter if it's bad. Just do it, you know, or, Mm -hmm. and, and actually put it out there. If it's a business, start asking questions, start putting pen to paper, seeing what is this business going to be and start like visualizing it in your head being like, okay, this is what I envision it. This is how I want it to go. This is what I want it to look like in five years this is where this business will be and start like writing things down and talking to people because the more you ask questions and the more you talk to people and the more you actually start like taking action and, you know, putting pen to paper is when you start getting inspired and is also when you start building confidence. So 
that's what I would do. Um, I feel like whenever we overthink things, like if you're like, oh man, like I just need to have the perfect quality or I just need to have like the perfect editing software or I just need to come up with the perfect idea. It's never going to happen. You have to just start executing and then you're going to learn along the way. I absolutely love that. Spoken from a true content queen herself. Um, I guess it is about time for a beverage break. I usually have uh, these little breaks in between my episodes, throughout the episodes, where we just drink water or whatever or snack. Because uh, I know it's it can get lonely over the course of an hour. Not lonely. Oh, my God. You can get thirsty. Yeah. Until <laughs> I've had a long day. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I feel like the breaks like this are much needed. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you have some amazing advice, and I think that it's very well worth the while. Um, I wanted to ask another question specifically about failure. Um, can you tell us about a time where you experienced like insecurity or failure on a project and you had to kind of pivot or iterate um, and like pick yourself back up again? I feel like a lot of times in content creation and in our world, we only talk about the good things, right? We only see the good things online, especially with, uh, you know, Instagram predominantly. That's why like video is like superior because you can be a little more authentic. Um, so yeah, can you just, just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I feel like failure is honestly in the moment, obviously it sucks, but looking back, you always learn a lot and that's always the goal because you're never going to get better unless you learn. And in terms of like content creation, I mean, sometimes you'll pour so much time into a video and then it flops or, you know, you are constantly posting and like you're losing followers. Like I've, I mean, to be honest, like I've been, I've on Instagram, I've gone up and down on followers for the past like year. Like, I don't think I've grown in the past year. It's just been like a, every time it's like 61k, 60k, 61k, 60k, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's never growing. So you might think like, oh my God, I'm putting so much time and energy into this and like nothing's happening. Um, So in, in terms of content creation, I would say those are some moments of failure when like you literally put in so much work and like, it just doesn't end up doing well. But in terms of like business side of things, I once had an online store where I sold clothes and it was like a, like a wholesale clothing shop where I would sell like really cute clothes to, to girls around like in their twenties, I would say was like my demographic. And like, I remember being so excited to launch that. And like, it was my very first like entrepreneurial really like dive and it did not really do well. I didn't, I feel like I didn't prepare enough for it. I didn't treat it as seriously of a business as I could have. Um, I didn't like know my numbers as much as I should have. And that really prepared me for like, especially what I'm doing today with Rella. It's like all of the mistakes that I learned in that business, I realized I can't do that again in this business. So I think you just learn a lot from it. Um, and it's always, it's a, it's something that you should honestly like cherish because it gets life gets more serious as you obviously get older. And so like, I'm so thankful that I had that experience when I was younger and I would never, ever like take it back. Like I wouldn't have not started my store. I wouldn't have, you know, like done anything differently because then I would have just failed later in life because your failure is inevitable. So I'm glad that I failed like earlier when I did. And I think the key is to like fail fast and learn quickly. So like, fail as quickly as you can and learn as quickly as you can. Like you don't need to drag things out. Like if you know something's not working, then figure out, you know, like why it's not working and, and take that and like learn from it. Don't like just hold on to it because you don't want it to be considered a failure. Cause I think that's when things can get really messy. Yeah, 
totally. I love all of that. And I'm also a firm believer in failing fast and learning quick or pivoting um, from it. <laughs> you oh, might, the, the learning piece there might just be that you need to hire somebody and you move on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you like, maybe that's not the right thing that, for you. Like maybe that's not the right business for you. Maybe that's not the right co-founder for you. Maybe that's not the right, you know, niche that you're in. And like, it's a great time to pivot and, and explore other opportunities too, or explore other, other methods also. Yeah, totally. Um, you also said something about learning your numbers and I was a BFA major in college and I'm not saying that I'm, I can't do math. I'm just <laughs> saying I'm an artist. I'm a Renaissance woman and Numbers have been the trickiest part of my business when it comes to, I think, finance and like accounting. So what advice would you give somebody going into content creation who knows nothing about it? What what financial, not like financial advice, but like what kind of numbers, tricks or uh, resources would you recommend? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing, if you are at a place where you can hire someone, that's obviously a key thing. Like if you can hire someone that's an expert in something that you're not great, but I know most people can't do that. Like I could not do that at the point where I was. So one thing that I found is like, I don't like automated tools that just kind of like automate your data and tell you what it is. I like doing things like manually so I can fully understand it. So mm-hmm. for example, if you have numbers like what whatever you're spending for your business and you want to see like what you're spending versus what um, you're making, actually write that down in an Excel sheet, have it all sum up for you. You don't actually need to know any math. You know, you just need to plug the numbers in and really understand like, oh, wow, I'm spending a lot of money in this category or I'm spending way more money than I'm than I'm making or hmm, why is my if you even want to put your analytics in a chart like why are my analytics dipping um, whenever I upload this type of content or whatever that might be. But I think rather than like relying on tools and apps and all of that, actually looking at it and like writing it out yourself, I just think helps you understand even if you're not good with numbers. Cause now like you don't need to actually be good at math. You just like, I mean, there's so many tools that will like, like Excel can compute it for you, but actually sitting down, writing it out and seeing, you know, where the patterns are and what you find from that. So that's one thing that I would say. And that's what's helped me personally. Like, for example, with my business, like budgeting, I don't have like, or I don't use, I don't rely on like a on a budgeting app. I like manually budget on Excel and it's helped me understand my finances so much more because I have to like face them. Like I have to face every single right. transaction. I have to see every single trend. And it's not just like a, a little report in a nicely, like nice looking app that tells me like, oh, like you spent this much this week. It's like, no, I need to look at every single transaction, see every single line and I, I need to fully understand it. And that's, that's what's helped me. And how much time does that take out of curiosity? <laughs> um, it takes, I mean, like, so I do it at the end of the month every month and it probably takes like an hour. Uh, oh, wow, so pop off not, queen. Yeah, it's not too long. Yeah, but I mean, with my analytics, I try to to um, put them in a chart like every week, you know, so that it's not like at the end of the month doing everything or so that's kind of what I do for that. Awesome. And one more question that I had for you um, is kind of like going into the aspect of education um, before you went into content creation or simultaneously. What did you see, what benefits did you see of going to school and or getting the degree 
And did that pay off uh, in terms of like what you're doing today? Yeah, so I went to NC State and I was an industrial engineering major. And so, yeah, so it's very different (laughs) than what I'm doing now. Um, But I honestly really loved doing it because I feel like I got all the marketing experience and the business experience I needed from my side hustle in college, which was like YouTube and content creation. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually very thankful and grateful that I didn't study, you know, marketing or um, business or anything like that, because I think I honestly got that degree just like while working in it and like life experience. Um, So I will say that engineering gave me just another perspective on like being more of a critical thinker and, you know, working really hard and, you know, if I don't understand anything, like I can get to that point. Cause there were so many times in like my classes where like I didn't understand something, but like I had to study for hours and hours and then like I finally got it. So I think it instilled a lot of confidence in me as well. So even though I don't use like the hard skills, like no, I'm not doing calculus or physics or like dynamics or anything like that in my real life. It's just like molded me and like molded the way that I think and approach problems. So I actually really value it. And I think that not everyone needs education and I don't think that everyone needs to go to college at all. But I also think that no matter what your degree is, you can do anything with it. Like it's you're, you don't need to pigeonhole yourself because your degree teaches you a lot more than just like what you learn in your degree. It's also about like the way that you approach things. Yeah. I love that. And I also 100% relate because I initially last year in 2020 or what? Oh, my God. I'm mixing up my years. (laughs) 2021, when I was like telling my parents, I was like, hey, I'm going to not go into corporate America. I'm going to do my own thing as a creator. Um, They're like, what do you mean? You just got this BFA. Like you're supposed to go into like a digital marketing or art director, graphic design role. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you why are you doing this? I'm like, well, I have an ability to storytell, whether that's through like audio, video, photo, graphics, like all of those things are things that people need on social media and with the pandemic influencer marketing and content creation just kind of exploded um and I think with that like there were a lot of times where I actually had some um like creative blocks in a lot of ways and we did get a question um down below asking about what kind of advice uh you would give to somebody who is experienced creative blocks with their content Oh, that's a good question. Um, creative blocks are really hard because it's it feels like it's like there's nothing you can do to to create, you know, and there's nothing you can do to do your job. And I've, I was actually going through that a few weeks ago. So I, I didn't post anything for like two weeks, a little over two weeks. And usually I post twice a week on YouTube and like I'm posting on Instagram and all this stuff. And like there were just two weeks where I kind of went a little bit MIA because I had no content ideas and I was getting to a point of burnout and I didn't know what to upload and every every idea that came in my head I was like this is horrible like I I can't do this and so I was stuck in a really really big rut and what helped me get out of it one was time I think if you force yourself to create when you are in a creative block it you can honestly set yourself back even more because you're not going to like anything that you're posting or you're going to like be wasting energy on something that like isn't you. And so one thing I did was took time. Another thing I did was I started becoming a consumer again, or like a user again, where I would look at what other people are posting and I would um, watch TikToks or watch YouTube videos or read more or watch some TV. And I would just get re-inspired by what other people were putting out there. And that's what helps me in general. So like 
if watching other people doesn't help you, then maybe this won't apply. But for me, consuming content actually re-inspires me because I spend a lot of time like at my desk working like with my team and on Rella. And so I'm not really consuming that much content throughout the day. And then when I'm not like when I'm not working on Rella, like I'll be like, Oh my God, I have to film or I have to do something. So like I spend very little time like watching what other people are doing. And so sometimes that just needs to re-inspire me. I'll be like, Oh my God, I love the way that they edited that. Or I love the way that like they said that. And so that will be like, wait, I can do something like that too. And so that helped me get out of my creative rut. Um, But timing also helped. Like, don't force yourself and be gentle with yourself because it really does happen to everyone. Yeah, I I love that. And with that, I think we should take another water break because (laughs) we're hydrated queens on this show, if you're listening. I agree. (laughs) I love that. And I, I also, I really do agree on the part of, watching content or consuming content um and it helps you become a better creator um not only because you are paying attention to trends trending songs trending topics um but it allows you the creative freedom to just like add your own little spice blend on top of you know whatever is normally going on like i don't know like i'm trying to think of one of these like really random tiktok trends <laughs> um that you could just like add anything on like you could write some niche youtube thing i could write some niche like social advocacy thing right and they could be the same exact trend but two completely different videos that are so unique to your individual brand and um i wanted to ask you how you kind of went about branding your channels uh, like across the board because because you have um, like YouTube, Instagram, um, and like LinkedIn, and potentially some other platforms. So how do you like manage all of your 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 personal brand, like who you are and what you do and what you talk about across the board? Yeah, so I'm a big planner, and so I find myself being mo- more productive whenever I plan ahead. If I'm doing things in the moment, I will forget to post or I'll be absent on one platform. So. For me, planning has been key. And so I've actually been using Rella um, because since I have it like on my phone and on my iPad, I've been using that to help plan out my content across the board. But I also treat every content differently, but I don't necessarily create a new piece of content for every platform. So, for example, I find Instagram a great place to like connect with your community. Like you can ask questions on stories and people can respond and um, DM you and you can get comments. And, you know, I, I found that it's the best place to like engage and nurture the community you already have and like if people like you from other platforms your instagram is like where they're going to follow you to keep up because they want to keep up with your life so i find it as like my loyal followers are on instagram and like the ones that i interact with so i'll post things that like update them on my life and like they just i kind of use that as like a creative outlet youtube i always try to provide value so i'm always like okay, I want to post a piece of content that is providing some sort of value. TikTok, I usually do in the moment, but I'll try to pay attention to like trending sounds and trending things. And like, it can be like a YouTube video, for example, that I posted was how much money I made in 2021 on AdSense on YouTube. And then on TikTok, I posted that exact same thing, just in a different way, you know, like Mm -hmm. the same exact piece of content, just just different, you know, just like said a different way, but it's not like I had to come up with a whole new content idea. Um, LinkedIn, I use mainly for like professional career updates. You know, I, I want to be seen as like an expert on LinkedIn. So I want to be seen as like an influencer industry expert. So I'll post things that are related to that. Um, so for example, I just posted a video today about like behind the scenes of Rella. And so I'm going to go ahead and post 
that video clip on LinkedIn and then telling people like, oh, here's the behind the scenes if any of you guys are interested in seeing like what I'm doing. So it's, yes, I'm redirecting them to a piece of content, but like I'm saying it in a different way. So I think it's, you just have to kind of be creative with the ways you say it or with the way that you um, put out content, but you don't need to come up with like a new piece of content or a new idea for every platform. Right. Yeah. I love that. That is such great advice. How do you manage your mental health um, when you have such a large community of people talking to you and coming at you like all the time every day or just like engaging with you? Um, It's like it's a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And I, I mean, we are not meant to have this many people's attention. I feel like we're not meant to be speaking to hundreds of people at the same time and, and hearing that hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of opinions all at once. I think that that can be like really damaging when, you know, you're getting so many different opinions because before social media, I mean, you got the opinions of your family and like a few of your close friends and that was it. And now like, you know, you're hearing everyone. So I think it can be incredibly, incredibly damaging and like it can be really hard on your mental health. So you need to set boundaries. And so that's one thing I've been doing. So if, you know, your boundaries are you're not going to check your phone past a certain time or you're setting a time limit or, you know, when you're with your friends, you're not going to check your phone at all. Or for even one thing that I did was like, I, when I go to the bathroom and I know this might sound silly, but like, if I go to the bathroom, like I don't take my phone with me because I don't want to be like checking it when I'm in there or like checking it when I'm away. Like if I like run to the bathroom in a restaurant and like even those things, I'm like, that's such a small moment, but why do I need it for that one minute? Or like if I'm in the elevator, I'm not going to check my phone, you know? So like, I think you really have to set boundaries with yourself so that you're not on it all the time because it can be all consuming. There's always something to do. There's always someone to respond to. There's always something to post. There's always some something to look at. And so like you can be on it 24 seven and justify it. So you have to set boundaries with yourself. And usually those boundaries look like time limit boundaries for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I need to start getting the habit of that because I think our phones have kind of turned into the modern day magazine kind of stereotype of sitting on the toilet with a magazine and being there for hours. It's just, it's our phone now and, um, phones don't really have an end to the scroll. So it can sometimes be hours, I'm sure. And like, I also try not to go to bring my phone with me, like in restaurants as well. Um, especially if you're like out with like a friend or like on a date, one of my friends refers, like we have this one friend in our friend group who literally is always like on his phone and we just call him a screenager. Like, like he's always on his phone. He gets so mad. We're like, bro, like, can you hang out with us? Like the reason why we're here together right now is to like have this amazing in-person connection on the note of friends and thinking about social media in relation to that. What kind of experiences have you had with friends uh, or like new people even when you meet them and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a YouTuber, I'm an influencer? Um, I honestly, like I used to be really embarrassed to say that. Like I would never want to say what I did. And usually the first question people ask you is, oh, what do you do? Yeah. I feel like that's the first question, like if you meet someone out, first question, what do you do? And so I never know what to say. Because I'm like, do I want to say social media? Do I want to say YouTube? Do I want to say, you know, I'm always like, I just, there's so many stereotypes that come with it and like assumptions that come with it. So sometimes I will just say I work in social media and then if they get to know me better, then I kind of say what I do. But I never want that to be like taken negatively. And sometimes I feel like it is. So um, usually I'll just say I work in social media or 
sometimes I'll like be very confident and I'll be like, oh yeah, like I do YouTube. And then they'll be like, oh, like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I just post these videos, like lifestyle videos. And I try not to make it like weird at all. You know, I feel like if you, if you're like, oh, I don't want to say I do YouTube. Like, yeah, I know it's so embarrassing. Like if you put attention to it, then it's like you get more (laughs) of a reaction. Right. So I try to just kind of like answer any questions very confidently and then like ask them like, oh, so what do you do? So because I do think that sometimes it can be like a very negative connotation and I don't, I don't love that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this goes across the board with social media and uh, part of it is like people initially were like, like we're, we're like a little past, I think the early adopter stage of social media, like whatever the next stage of uh, that bell curve is, I think we're kind of like close to hitting the top of it maybe um, where we are realizing that social media is something that's here to stay, that it's not like a taboo subject to work in. It's just kind of like being any broadcaster or media reporter. It's just now done completely online, remotely, wherever, whenever, and through like an individual's business. And you get to like support that individual uh, throughout and across their channels. I think that's super cool. And I've also dealt with my fair share of the judgment and people in college were like, oh yeah, you're like that influencer girl. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, it's like you always answer with this like lack of confidence because other people don't take it seriously. And the second that I like started standing up for myself, one, I lost friends because they were jerks and were like, you know, they didn't really support it. But two, I was like, yeah, can't you tell that social media is going to change? Like I vividly remember having a conversation with some friends maybe four or five years ago it was the first winter I came back from LA. And if you've lived in LA to anyone listening, it can, it's the Mecca of the influencer industry, uh, whether we like it or not. And it, it has a vibe and you can fall into like a lot of these like materialistic, very stereotypical influencer uh, personas out there. But I came back and my home friends from New York were like, are you like an influencer now? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys going to do about it? They're like, haha, like, that's so funny. So you just like get paid to promote products. I'm like, sure, but like, it's so much more. Like, if you don't value it, that's fine. But I'd prefer if you don't make fun of it because it's actually a business and I'm getting paid to post and you're just posting random pictures of you guys and you like, you don't get paid. And they were kind of like, shook. <laughs> like, they, they didn't realize, I think, the, the magnitude of what the business could be. So, I found that interesting. And a couple of weeks ago, I was out with a friend in New York. Um, So this actually happened, true story. And I'm like talking, uh, these like randos come up to us and they're like, oh, so what do you do? Like, whatever. I'm like, oh God, like, I really am not looking forward to answering this, but you're inspiring me to be more confident in the future. And (laughs) this guy's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, like I work in social media. He's like, oh, like in what? And I'm like, I'm an influencer and he's like oh are you like one of those blue check girls and I'm like yep (laughs) and and he's like he was like oh uh okay and then like the whole conversation changed and I was being kind of snarky so I was like oh what are you one of those like Murray Hill guys like business finance guys he's like yeah I was like oh great perfect classic New York (laughs) um but but that said there is this stereotype. I don't know where people have gotten it from. I also think like maybe the way that it's portrayed in movies and media and the way that maybe it will be changed in the future. What kind of, um, what kind of things have you done to build confidence in such a negative environment or like in what can be a negative environment? 
Yeah, I feel like confidence is one of those things that's also learned over time, but there are ways to like become more confident. And I think one of the things is one, don't care what other people think because their opinion says more about them than it does about you. And I know it's hard in the moment, but always ask yourself, like, if that was your friend doing that to someone else, like, you wouldn't like that. You know, like if you're, if someone's making fun of you or someone's like judging you because of you're posting pictures on the internet or you're posting videos or whatever, ask yourself, like, would you ever do that? No, you probably would never make fun of someone for doing that. Would your friend ever do that? No. So like their opinions are relevant. They're not, you know, like that's not anyone that you should even like want to be friends with or trust. It says so much more about them. Uh, And also the opportunities that can come with social media are insane. Like, it can open so many more doors. So whenever you are not feeling confident, just think about like the opportunities that are waiting for you on the other side of that door, you know, and the opportunities that are waiting for you if you keep going. And so I think that's one thing that's always helped me because there's so many moments when I'm like, I honestly just want to quit. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, it's hard or I'm getting made fun of or, you know, people are mean or whatever. And then I'm like, wait, no, there are so many more opportunities if I continue to go like if I continue with this and also my stuff is providing value for people, even if like my followers have decreased or even if a video doesn't perform well, like there are still people that it is providing value to. There's still people that it's bringing joy to or that people are engaging in it. And so I think that that has helped build a lot of my confidence, like focusing on the community that you fostered and like uh, those people rather than, you know, the negative people that honestly don't mean anything. And like, They're just the loudest ones, but they're not the majority. Right. I, yeah, I really love that. It's, it can be so hard. And one of my favorite quotes is it's none of your business what other people think of you. And Mm -hmm. that's basically the same quote that you said. Um, And it's, I just think it's so important. And it's really difficult though, because like this generation, like as in Gen Z kind of, and millennials, honestly, have grown up with social media and we're so used to comparing yourself and um, to other people online and uh, kind of like self-deprecating like your yourself and your worth and your value because something's always going to be bigger and better. But I like the optimism that you're kind of alluding to here where it's like, you can do anything you want. You can achieve anything you want. Um, you just have to remind yourself who the fuck you are. And like, exactly. <laughs> um, what's like your biggest, most proud moment as a YouTuber? Oh, this is a good question. Um, I think any milestone that I hit is obviously a proud moment. Um, like 100K, 200K, 300K. Um, I'm trying to think. There was, okay, so I feel like I don't ever talk about this, but it's something that is really cool and has stuck with me. Like I still think about today in, I think it was 2016. So it was a while ago. It was like five years ago, 2016. I was chosen to be a part of like this program called YouTube next up, which they don't do it anymore. But um, at the time it's where they would pick a bunch, like maybe like 10 creators, 10, 15 creators under a hundred thousand subscribers. And they would like fly them to New York, fly them to LA and that you would spend like a week there. Like they'd put you in a hotel in New York City um, and you'd spend a whole week going to like this like YouTube boot camp with all these other people and you would get like a $2,000 gift card to like B&H to help you grow your channel and like buy equipment. That was where I got my first vlogging camera, um, my G7X, like that's where I got it. Um, and like you got, um, you were taught 
like how like film and editing and like YouTube from like a bunch of experts. And so that to me, the fact that like YouTube believed in me then, you know, like it was like literally YouTube sending me out to New York to be part of this like camp. And they thought that I had potential and like they wanted to pretty much like invest in me in a way. Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. And so I think that was like the one thing that I, I will say was like a huge milestone because it was like actually YouTube that was <laughs> thinking that I, I could like my channel was good. And so it was like a lot of good validation and like, especially in a time when 2016, like I feel like it was a time when people still thought it was weird to do YouTube. I remember people th- like in college thinking it was odd. So like the fact that I, I did that, I think is one of my proudest moments. I absolutely love that. And thanks for sharing. That's so fucking cool. Oh my God. Um, I love that. I also have like, I am obsessed with the Chelsea market downtown and the YouTube office is like in that building or at least part of it. I, for what, from what I know. Um, yeah, that's true. It was. Yeah, it was there. <laughs> I've been so curious about it. And also I love B and H on the note of, well, before we get into that, I just wanted to do a follow-up to everyone listening that like, obviously Natalie is a YouTube queen, you know, she's established herself over platforms. She's been doing this for years. I want to drill this into every single person that's listening's head. That is a terrible sentence. I can't <laughs> speak tonight. I want to drill this into your head if you're listening. Okay. It takes time and dedication and literal years of practice in this. She's been doing this for a like a decade, 10 years, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> like that's like a long ass time to be working towards something. That's like, so like just when creators talk about programs they're chosen for or things that like, you know, some big accolade and they're recognized by a platform um, that they create on, just remember that like they've been doing it a long time. They didn't get there overnight. And like you also like there's still opportunities for you too. And the the biggest thing that I think can help you that I literally said to someone yesterday um, because she she wrote to me and she's like, Gigi. I feel like I am not having any momentum and I see that you are, it's making me feel so bad about myself. And I'm like, girl, (laughs) my success is not your success, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can be if you want, but in my eyes, the number one rule of content creation is that your worth is not determined by other people's success, right? Like it's completely made up by you. Are you finding yourself comparing yourself to others? Um, Is that what halts you as a creator? Like you need to make content that makes you feel invigorated, that creates value for other. And you won't be able to do that if you're too focused on what other people are doing and what other people have done and trying to create their secret sauce. Like you have to figure out your recipe and stay consistent. And over time, it'll build your business, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. So just, I wanted to put that out there because it's very easy to talk about fun, exciting, glamorous things, which are amazing and should be a hundred percent celebrated. But at the same time, do not compare yourself to others. Um, And also with that, I always tell people, don't compare your first video or first whatever, like whatever it is, first piece of content, first idea to someone's hundredth. You know, like you can't compare yourself to someone who's been doing it for a long time because they've already like go and find their first piece of content and, you know, you'll Mm -hmm. see that they started where you are. Yeah, exactly. It's a journey. It's not an overnight success. Um, what the hell was I going to ask you about second? Oh my God. I t- I'm literally blanking. Sorry, um, I cut you off. <laughs> oh no, it's totally fine. Let's do another beverage, you know, big party people. We need water. We need to hydrate. <laughs>
what's like your favorite um, tip for working with brands and how do you decide who you work with? So my best tip with working with brands is making sure that the brand that you are working with gives you creative control. I think that whenever brands are trying to, you know, give you a script or, you know, direct exactly how they want the content to be, that's not a good sign because you're, you are not just a commercial. You are constantly engaging with your audience. And the reason why they want to work with you is because of your audience. So you need to make sure that you have that like creative control that speaks to them because you know that better than anyone else. So if you're already working with a brand, that's my biggest tip in terms of like how to start working with brands. I think a lot of people forget that they need to put themselves out there and they need to reach out to brands. So I have like one tip that I use for finding like the right contact, for example, is first write a list of your dream brands. Then anytime you see one of your favorite influencers or an influencer working with a brand that you would want to work with, write it down because you know that they work with influencers. Like you know that they've, they have an influencer marketing budget. And then what I do is I go to LinkedIn I search like for the company name and then I search under the people that work at that company and I find people that work in influencer marketing. And then I go to like rocket reach, which tells you like the email format and I'll find the email format of that company. And then I know their name. So usually it's like first and last name or like first name, last name or first initial last name. And so I, then I, I'll email that person. So it goes directly to their inbox rather than like a general customer service. That's like probably not going to help you. So that's my tip. And you have to put yourself out there. And you have to actually pitch yourself because usually brands don't really like find new influencers. They work with the same ones they've always worked with. And they also have a lot of people pitching to them so that that's like easier to pick through that pool than, you know, searching Instagram and YouTube for like a new creator. Yeah, absolutely. So basically you're saying that if the FBI wants to hire one of us to find someone, they just should find the top influencers and let us do it. (laughs) a lot of sleuthing but like it will work yeah no I I also will say that I have been um doing some like similar things uh I feel like it's like you have to like teeter on the line of like what's creepy and like what's okay to do is like a cold email or a cold message but I think if you do it with like a good intent like of networking and like diversifying like making it like good for them right like what's your competitive advantage over any random like sue on the internet I don't know why I pulled that random name but (laughs) um yeah I I love that and what's been your favorite brand to work with um so I have a very loyal long-time partnership with Squarespace and I love them because they literally help me run my business because I have a Squarespace website so I would say that has been my favorite partnership because they're just so easy to work with they're so reliable and it's genuinely something that I use every day of my life so like it's the most organic partnership wait pop off I love that Squarespace is life it was my first website I went to uh Adobe portfolio for some time because I didn't want to pay for Squarespace and then I went to WordPress because I thought I could make it pretty and then it was so annoying to code so then I went back to Squarespace so I started with Squarespace and now I'm with Squarespace I love them they're awesome um (laughs) that's amazing Okay, cool. So we're coming down to like the last 10 minutes of the episode. Um, If anybody down below wants to ask a question to Natalie, like feel free to raise your hand and uh, come ask, uh, ask away, I should say. And um, I guess if there's like any last things about YouTube that you or like, I guess starting a, what, okay, 
one more question. What would be your advice, like, if someone's starting a YouTube channel, like, fresh off the ground that you would give to them? Consistency is number one. So YouTube especially likes you if you pick a day and you stick to it. So, like, pick a day of the week and upload every single week because if you're not consistent, you will not grow. So I would say number one is consistency. And number two, create searchable content. YouTube is mainly like a search engine for a lot of people. So create videos, especially in the beginning, that people are searching for. So for example, like if there is something that is unique about you that you might want to like share, like what it's like to be a, I don't know, like accounting major. I know that sounds boring, but like that's searchable and that's going to get your name out there. Or like, here's how to, um, how to style winter outfits, you know, something that is searchable rather than just like me vlogging around my hometown because no one knows you yet. And also no one's searching for that. So like wait for the more personal videos to come when people know you more, unless it's like a very searchable piece of content, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it's so smart because like you're saying, YouTube is owned by Google and Google, I guess, is or formerly was, I don't know what the whole search engine thing with TikTok has been lately and what the stats are on that. But from what I know, Google's been like the biggest search engine for quite some time and they obviously own YouTube and they promote video. So that is amazing to know. Um, I guess I can have another question. What's your opinion on shorts coming out? I don't watch them at all, like ever. <laughs> like I've literally never even clicked on the tab. Um, I don't know many people that do watch them. I don't like that every social media network is now coming out with like vertical video, short form video, because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like that is not what YouTube is. And YouTube is good at what it is. And so I don't know anyone that watches them. So I hope that they don't, I hope that they kind of just do away with them. Like they don't need that. That's not something that YouTube is, you know, if anything, like, find it, make it, make a better algorithm for people to get discovered. Like, why are you doing short? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah. I feel like all social media platforms are just trying to do the same version of what each other is doing. Like everyone at first had to have a post. Everyone had to have like the likable, like emojis. Like it wasn't just the like, it's now like a heart or, um, you know, a dis, I don't know if they have dislikes, but they have like the little angry guy, like emoji, um, or gal, I guess the emojis are gender fluid for the most part. Um, and then like now, then everyone came out with Instagram stories. Like I rem- I literally remember the day Instagram stories came out with it and everyone was like, what? Stories are for Snapchat. There's like, this is going to fail. And then it just became the norm that all social platforms yeah. have stories. Um, similarly to that, I think live audio is headed that way along with vertical video and live video uh, like programming. So it's just super interesting. Um, do you have any predictions for social media going into 2022? I think that TikTok is definitely continuing to rise. Um, I also think, let me think, Any? I haven't even sat down and thought about my predictions. I think that um, audio is definitely going to continue to go, like live audio podcasts. I think that those are going to continue to rise. And I actually think long form video, like YouTube, is not going to be as popular as it once was unless it's providing value. So the daily vlogs are not going to be as popular because people can get like quick versions of that on like stories and TikTok and all of that. So I think you have to be like providing some sort of value for, for people to like want to watch like a 15 minute video. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you on that too. 
Um, we have another question down here from Lindasia asking, what are your thoughts on doing YouTube trailers? Um, I think they're a good idea. I think that most, I personally though, would prefer putting like a video that rep really represents your channel rather than a trailer. So like I have a, a like a video, so like the first video that someone sees, have it be like a Q&A or have it be a video that you're like really proud of that introduces you because then it's still like showing people what to expect when they come to your channel. But I feel like trailers are kind of awkward. Like no one really watches them. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just don't watch them, but like usually you don't really care to see a trailer to see someone's it's like, Oh, let me see like this trailer to see what they're about. You'll just like click on a video and see what they're about. So you might as well put on your most popular video or the video that you're most proud of that best represents your channel um, as like the first video that shows up rather than like making a custom trailer for your audience. Amazing. What is your like gear setup and situation? What's your top like gear advice? I'm a gear uh, freak. <laughs> So I have a Sony ZV-1 for my um, camera, and I actually really love it. Um, I also use an external microphone. It's like $20 on Amazon. It's like a little mini mic. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that. I have um, – I edit on Final Cut Pro. I edit my TikToks on an app called Splice. Mm -hmm. um, I plan out my content on Rella, so I'm going to shamelessly plug it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what else is there? Um, I use, um, Photoshop for like thumbnails and also procreate on the iPad for thumbnails. So th I think those are like my main, my main things. I love that. That's so cool. And it also shows that like, you really don't need that much and you could even create and start creating. Like if you want to just like amp up your audio quality, just buy the mic and like start with like that, do baby steps, maybe, you know, save up like your birthday and Christmas money for like a camera. Um, because I know sometimes a lot of people are like, oh, like you said earlier, they're not going to start until they think they have the perfect code to what mm -hmm. somebody else has said. But it really just is about like you and your personality and your value. And if that also comes with pretty video quality, then that's fantastic. But it's like, how necessary do you think that is? I think that quality, it depends on the platform. So I don't think your quality needs to be perfect, especially now. And if you have an iPhone or an Android or a smartphone, your quality is good enough. Like even doesn't even matter the version, like your quality is good enough. Um, so I think that now it's like very, very accessible. Like I don't use like a fancy DSLR or, I mean, even these like chats, like this like live audio, I'm using my phone. Like if you yeah. want to start a podcast, you can literally use your phone. Like you don't need a fancy mic or anything like that. If you want to start a YouTube channel, you can literally use your phone. You could, there's editing apps on your phone. There's free apps on the computer. Like everything is so accessible now that you can start with what you have on hand already. Right. Yeah. The point is, if you want to start, start today and fuck the fear. <laughs> just get it going. Um, but I wanted to also just like thank you for talking so openly um, about, you know, like finance and what you made as a YouTuber and a content creator and being transparent and like being so for the creator side of things and not gatekeeping. It's so, so appreciated from a smaller creator and I know for people that are even smaller than me um, that are still growing and also on the marketing side of things it's just so great to hear a different perspective other than someone who's just like how many impressions did you get and how much money did you make and blah 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 so I just wanted to thank you for that of course I love doing it I mean because I I like creating content that I want to see from other people 
so then I'll like I want to create it for myself so <laughs> that's kind of how I uh, why I do that and I think it's so helpful yeah absolutely okay fantastic and I usually end my episodes by asking my guests what their mantra is whether that's a creative mantra whether that's a meditation um, a quote something that empowers you and reminds you that everything you need is within I love that um I would say my favorite quote and it's one that I really like to live by is that dreams only work if you do and so it's one of those things where like I I have such lofty dreams and aspirations, but like, I know that they're only going to come through like hard work. And so that's been the quote that I have been living by for the past few years. I love that. You're going to laugh and I'm going to send you a picture of my letter board, but it literally says dreams don't work until you do. (laughs) Yeah, literally have it up. That's so funny. Yeah, I think it's, it's so true. Okay, well, amazing. Natalie, you are the best. This was so amazing. I feel like this hour went by so quickly. Um, I feel like I could also talk to you for hours about content and I'm literally beyond excited. Tell everyone where they can find you um, and where they can find Rella. Yeah, so you can find me at Natalie Barbu across all social platforms. Um, my podcast is The Real Real Podcast and I and Gigi's also coming on it. So Woo-hoo. I know, look out for that. Uh, <laughs> And then also you can find Rella on the App Store. So it's coming out January 18th. So depending on when you listen to this, it might be out already, but you can pre-order it if you're listening right now. So find it on the App Store, just search Rella and it'll be the first one that pops up. Yeah, Rella will on the 18th, right? Yep. Okay, cool. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Get some sunshine. Your, Your meditation this morning looked amazing I was so oh, jealous oh nice. um okay. I'm like so I, I spent some time down in Delray um for like probably like a month and a half over the past couple of months and just like going near the beach every single day for the sunset or the sunrise and like meditating and doing all that is so calm so I just was very jealous and I was I was getting some calm from that so thanks for posting that of course yeah I, I mean I love I I love sharing like cool spots and cool things to do and um some of those things that like I never go to the beach even though I live in Florida so I need to start yeah going. yeah oh my gosh so fun okay well have a fantastic uh evening weekend couple of weeks and I'll talk to you next week <laughs> bye bye thank you bye everyone